the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one I'm Jerry Agar. I've been filling in all morning here for John Moore, but he makes a special appearance as one of the panelists on round one, along with radio commentator and, like I say, Dowson and Toronto City Councillor Shelley Carroll. Let's start with this, and John, you might as well go first since it's actually your show. Um, were you surprised when Bonnie Crombie made her announcement official that she's running for leadership of the Provincial Liberal Party, that she also said she's open to development in the Greenbelt? Yeah, I'm glad you finished that uh, question, the whole sentence because nobody was surprised that she declared. She declared that she was thinking of declaring. Then she yeah, declared yeah. she was going to declare. Then she filed the paperwork, and then she declared. And believe it or not, I was sitting in the boss's office yesterday, and I looked up at CP24, and the Chiron said, Crombie declares. And because he's a friend of mine, I thought, what the heck is David Crombie up to? Uh, <laughs> But when, when it comes to declaring on the green belt, uh, politically, I can't figure it out. I mean, this is a hot file, and it's something that I think I think she's probably out of sync with an awful lot of the people who would like to vote for her and an awful lot of liberals. So, you know, you could have left that surprise for later. You could have slipped it in somewhere, or you could have waited until after you became the leader. Well, yeah, politically, is that a smart thing to say, day one? Uh, can we have a microphone for Shelley here, please? <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'm alive. Oh, there, yeah, we there, go. Go. there we go. Doing it by surprise is exactly the problem. Um, the, the current government runs, then after the election, changes legislation to enable them to do whatever they want, and then starts to do it. And so I think if she really wanted to land this plane, she should have said, I'm telling you now because I'm going to be up front, and I'm going to tell you what I would do after I was elected. And that's the difference. But that's that's the piece she didn't add to the comment. Okay, but, but I think John is right to say that the people who would likely want her to be liberal leader, I don't think either. they've been screaming at Doug Ford about the green belt. It seems a disconnect. Well, they've been screaming about the lack of process and the lack of discussion with the municipalities and the residents. No, they haven't. They've been saying don't develop the green belt. Well, I go by my colleagues when I go to TRCA who are, are fighting this uh, uh, tooth and nail uh, that they want the input and they never get it. Uh, in fact, the TRCA doesn't have the power to stop these things that it used to have because of enabling legislation that this government put in. What we want is a real conversation to deal with the anomalies, the the white belt, so to speak, and that's what she was speaking to. And? Well, so the green belt, I think, is the envy of other big cities in Canada. Like, I I think it's an incredible resource. And I I agree. I think a lot of liberals are like, wait a second, do not mess with that thing. That is like, you know, a bulwark against climate change. It's a thing of beauty. If you've ever been in it, do not mess with it. And instead of you know, put more social housing on the on the order papers of the developers downtown. When they put up condos, they're going to have to include 31. social housing in their projects. Go after those guys instead of wreck, you know wrecking this incredible natural resource. Yeah, I think it's a very careless signal of hers because it essentially says, "Here's the first thing I'm going to sell out on." <laughs> yeah, yeah right. it's not great. It doesn't okay. look good. Yeah. So the Cafe T.O. program is all uh, a tumble, it would seem. Jennifer McKelvey was on with John yesterday talking about this, but let's get a bit of a reminder of what she had to say about uh, what's going on with it. I think we had approvals to the program in the spring, and that was because we have changed the program so that it has these accessibility requirements. So I think it was just the timing of the lessons learned from last year, the new guidelines on accessibility, the roll out of those grants, and I think we're in a good place. Importantly, um, this becomes a permanent program so that next year your applications are even faster to process and you're faster to get it out there. 
Okay, Shelly Carroll, it's obvious to go with you first on this. Well, and some of that uh, change did happen after Jennifer spoke to you. We went into council, and the counselors who are in the areas that can have Cafe 2, I don't have a single one. I'm not allowed. I don't have an avenue that's allowed to give over a lane of traffic. But for those that, that are, some of the ones that got exempted that shouldn't have been were added back in in council yesterday. So that brings us up to the 400 or so that, that staff predicted when they said we're going to have to start charging for these, so there will be fewer. They said, you'll probably land around 400. And we were at 380, walking into the council chamber and added 10 or 20 back. And then every once, you've got to look at every one of them individually, of that many of them? No, no, it's it's the ones that were on sides that got exempted. Some, some streets you can use the side street and some you can't. And somebody blanket exempted a lot of them. So we've added back in the ones where you can use that side street. Some of them are problematic. You know, there are yeah. streets where it's too too narrow or sidewalks that are too narrow. Robert Turner has called it dying in the gutter, T.O., which always makes me laugh. <laughs> but it's also an example. Yeah, but it's outdoors. Yes, it is outdoors. But like on my stretch of Young Street now, the sidewalk is too thin to even walk on. So the idea of creating yeah. sidewalk dining is a bad one. Uh, in other neighborhoods, it's worked, though. And I think there needs to be a level of anarchy here, as opposed to inspecting each one one by one and sending people out with measuring tapes. It's an example, Jerry, of what I've often observed on the show, which is that Toronto can take anything that works or is nice and wreck it. Well, yeah, but it isn't <laughs> no, no, everyone. Not just Toronto, Let's John. just give a no, shout out no, to no. the BIAs, though. Give a shout out to BIAs because on a lot of these avenues, like a dozen of them went in, no holes barred and no problems because they, they went in collectively and they're easy to install and it's one measurement for all of them. So the yes. BIAs are, are partnering with us and that's what makes this thing work. And you're not and in Toronto, just... so do you care? Oh, no, I care because I come in fairly often and I live in the land of terraces and patios out on the streets and Montreal is good at that. That's one of the things the city here is really good at. But I would just say that making these spaces more accessible is really important because everybody is temporarily abled and we do need to consider that people with mobility issues need to be get be able to get up and onto these patios. And also you need to demarcate them properly and for that the city's required. You don't want cars bumping into your patios or hitting people. So it's got to be done with some care. And I think maybe what we're hearing is that this is just like a transition and it's going to be okay. Yeah, but you know what? Like most things with COVID, we just jumped on it and we did it and we executed it. And we did a pretty good job. And we came up, I talked to a company that builds those wooden surroundings or hoardings or whatever that they put around. And they're actually visually attractive and they make the place feel safe. I just think that we improvised a lot of things during COVID that now we're trying to find a way to, um, you know, corporatize and uh, come up with permits and inspections and all that stuff. But is it also true, Shelley, that this was a temporary program and now, of course, uh, some of the restaurateurs liked it and they, they seem to believe that it was now it's a permanent thing? Well, it was temporary in that it was free. We just wanted them to be able to get food out the door, and so we helped them with this, and a lot of it was free. But but we can't keep doing that, obviously. we The, the money that we were going to get from other governments uh, came for a short period of time, and, and now here we are, a billion in the hole. So we, we need to recover the cost. All right. The Star reports the federal government failed to spend billions of dollars it pledged on a host of climate change initiatives in recent years, raising questions about one of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's core policy commitments and the massive funding publicly devoted to it. You look at this, Anne, and do you say, oh, so it was just an announcement. You're not really going to do anything. Well, this is one of the criticisms that a lot of us on the left have of the Liberals, a lot of virtual, virtue signaling and not so much follow-up. But on this one, I'm going to give them 
you know, not exactly a free pass. We're going to say part of the problem was that, you know, there was a strike in the public service. There was a pandemic. A lot of the programs require people to front the money and be reimbursed, which is a time-consuming process. So I think there's still time to meet that 2030 commitment. I just wish they'd hustle. Because here in Quebec, we got another bad air warning because of fires up north, which are clearly related to climate change. This is not going away. It's only going to get worse. So I wish they'd just get their, you know, four-letter words starting with an S together and move on this stuff. It's really, really important. Stuff is what she meant. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> that's and, a five letter word. <laughs> and move beyond the announcement. Actually, go yeah. out and yeah. do the outreach that gets the take up in these programs. A lot of these are programs that you can only spend the money if people enroll and come to get the money. And so yeah. they should be out there, pick the target areas, go to the areas where we're on fire, and, and, and try and get the home retrofits there. Try and get the municipalities there to partner in a project. And then that money will get spent because you need partners to, to get that money out the door and spend it. But I don't think they go beyond the announcement to go out and find willing partners. Yeah, Mark Warner was making an interesting point yesterday when we were talking about Ontario having, you know, sitting on extra cash. And he said, well, you know, listen, sometimes you've announced a program, you just haven't spent the money yet. So that's an aspect in this. And as Shelley said, they announce programs like they will come. A friend of mine did this. They'll come to your house and do all these very complicated experiments. And then they'll say, here's where the leaks are and here's what you need to do. And people have to apply for that or it's not going to happen. And so you can say you've set aside $100 million, and if not enough homeowners approach you, then you don't spend it. All right, yeah. so we, we've uh, batted back and forth whether it's worth $13 billion of taxpayer money to uh, bribe Volkswagen to come to Ontario and build electric batteries. And, uh, uh, well, I guess all batteries are electric, but you know what I meant. Um, and uh, now we're told, uh, not not by some cranky person like me, but by the uh, <laughs> the budget office in Ottawa that it's 163 billion dollars and so i'm gonna say and growing is there a point where we just all give up on this i'm not sure i guess we've got to make the decision do we want this kind of industry or don't we and uh, if we do then we have to you know bid equal to what everybody's bidding in the united states which we have been doing i mean the argument in favor of it is that once you build a factory to build volkswagens it's going to be here for 20 25 years is it but yeah i'm well, on that's not always the case it costs billions yeah. to build a factory mind you we're giving them billions to build a factory I'm still not satisfied, and I've been talking to a lot of economists about this. I said, show me the balance sheet where it's this much money in and that's, that much money comes back. And so far, I haven't seen the math. Well, the, the impact on, on the, the climate, speaking of climate change, is what comes back. Uh, and remember that, that many of these billions are the subsidies that will roll out over several years. It, it is in the billions up front to build the what plant. What difference does that make? It's well, still our money. The difference that it makes is during that time for every vehicle and every battery bought, you are, are saving the climate. And that's what oh, we're, we're ordering people we're to do. We're not the problem in the climate, Shelley. Could we, for God's sake, understand? Our vehicles that are. Can, our no, vehicles Canada are. Canada is not And our the tar problem. sands are, too. And I, if I can just jump in, like, I wonder if we could just please have a seat on the board that oversees this thing because yeah. I don't like corporate welfare. I don't think we should be shoveling so much money into the back pockets of the second biggest car maker after Toyota in the world that registered huge profits in the last quarter. Like I'm thinking of Dieselgate. VW is a good company, except when they're not. They lied about the diesel stuff, you know, and yeah. they got caught and they had to pay out huge reparations to me and a bunch of other people who believed them. So I think we should be just a little more critical. I'm with you on this one, Jerry. Like I, I, 
want to fix the climate and I want jobs in Ontario and Quebec, but I do not want them to get away with a huge gift that they'll, you know, then turn around and shut their plant in 10 or 15 years and go someplace else. Sure, they'll act like Stellantis is acting right now. But that's, and like I say, Dawson and Shelley Carroll, John Moore, uh, curiously, is a guest on his own show. Yeah, I'm like Banquo. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, but coming up, uh, CP24 is that Lena Latifat is going to join us, and this all ties together because uh, Lena Latifat and John Moore are co-hosting, co-moderating tonight's mayoral debate, which you will hear at 7 o'clock this evening on Newstalk 1010 or watch on on CP24, or have both on at the same time, and uh, really enjoy it. But we'll follow up on how all that's going to go, thanks to the panelists, Jerry Agar filling in for John Moore right in front of his face on News Talk 1010. <laughs> Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010, Toronto.